0: Hey guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is Friday, April 28th. And for those of you that are not aware, April 28th is Worker Memorial Day. Um, This is a day where we recognize and pay tribute to those employees, those um, workers who passed away during the previous year while on the job. Um, A Kind of a solemn occasion, unfortunately, Um, but it's an important day. When I worked for OSHA, this was something that we participated in regularly. We would participate in Worker Memorial Day events. We would uh, oftentimes go down to the Capitol in Lincoln, uh, down to the Worker Memorial on the river here in Omaha. There'd be a ceremony, and we would read the names of those employees who perished during the previous calendar year while trying to perform a job, you know, while trying to get work done, which seems really horrible in retrospect, and it is. Interesting. So I am working right now with two companies who will remain nameless for obvious reasons that have sustained fatalities within the last few weeks to months, uh, and another company that had a serious injury. So SIFS, Serious Injury Fatality, if you're familiar with that acronym. And it is it is difficult. It is, uh, it is heavy. It's heavy stuff. And I did not know the employees that 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 died at work. Obviously, their families are traumatized. Co-workers are traumatized. The company can be devastated. The community even can be impacted by things like this. The emergency responders that respond to these incidents are certainly under tremendous stress as well. And so, um, I just want to I just want to recognize that today is Worker Memorial Day. Uh, I don't want this to be heavy and a downer necessarily, but we need to realize that the work that we're doing is certainly important. The consequences of accidents in the workplace can be significant, catastrophic even. And so we need to keep that in mind. Um, I've been reading, I've been reading a lot lately, as most of you know. Uh, my go-to is the five principles of human performance, Conklin. That's one that I read regularly. There's a lot of information in there that I try to apply to my day-to-day work activities. And then I just picked this one up, Workplace Fatalities, Failure to Predict. This is also a Conklin book, um, and I'm not, I mean, not here necessarily to promote Todd, but I think his, his information is valuable and uh, thought-provoking. And I just started this one. Interestingly, a group that I formed a few years ago called the Midwest Safety Cooperative had a, uh, teams, a Zoom meeting yesterday with the members, and our speaker was a friend of mine named Pete Suska. OPEX safety. Um, Pete is out in Connecticut and he joined us uh, via via teams to give a presentation on fatalities as well. He was talking about fatality, uh, fatality identification and prevention. And it's interesting because, you know, the facets of our safety and the health management system, I think we all understand the importance of managing compliance regulatory compliance in fact almost everyone that I deal with gets that and oftentimes they are calling me or my guys to help them with with that facet of their safety program they want to be in compliance with the regulations and there are certainly reasons to be in compliance it's it's an important aspect of our program uh deviation from compliance can lead to citations you know it certainly inspections citations Penalties that can be consequential. They can be very expensive. I've seen some pretty high citation packages of late. Um, I think an obsession with compliance specifically though can be somewhat distracting. Um, One of the other things that we try to manage in our safety programs is injuries. And there's not always a really strong correlation between compliance necessarily and injuries that we're having. For example, The things that hit your OSHA 300 logs, your injury and illness logs, those tend to be things like sprains and strains, slips and falls, perhaps minor lacerations, uh, back injuries. I mean, those can be significant, but not life-threatening necessarily, more of a quality of life issue. And so, again, we focus a lot of our energy on these compliance-related issues and injury prevention issues. But I think one aspect of our safety management systems that gets neglected and that you know perfectly fits with today with worker memorial day is in every workplace that I've ever been and and smart people tell me this all the time in every workplace whether that be an industrial workplace a construction workplace there are hazards present there is energy present that could certainly lead to a fatality right and Another facet of our safety programs that I think often gets neglected is identifying and addressing those energies, those hazards that can lead to fatalities. And they are oftentimes very different than the things that we focus on when we are looking at compliance or when we're looking at injury prevention. Injury prevention, again, we tend to be focusing on these low severity, high probability issues, the things that happen a lot, generally don't result in serious injuries or fatalities. And again, I I don't mean to minimize, you know, the difficulties of a back injury or something, or even a a laceration. I'm not suggesting that those aren't important. But again, they're different things. I, I think it's probably true statistically from what I read and the research that I attempt to do, that companies that have really low incident rates You know, injury and illness rates, the DART rate, DAFWI rates, those kind of things, oftentimes actually have higher um, SIF rates, serious injury and fatality rates. And so, you know, those companies that are having, and we haven't had an injury or recordable injury in a thousand days, and certainly that's a, a great thing, that's a noble undertaking, but oftentimes those are the companies where that potential fatal energy exists and is not being addressed. All right. Pete was talking about this yesterday in his presentation, he was walking into a facility and he showed a, he showed a a slide that depicted this, but he was walking into a facility and at the entrance to the facility, there was a um, railroad tracks and there was a, basically like a wooden sign that said, you know, watch for train. And you gotta walk over these railroad tracks to get into this facility. I have no idea where it was or anything like that. But um he was walking in with the manager, they walked in and Pete stopped and said, Whoa, whoa, what is this? And the guy, you know, the guy just walked right past. And and without question, the energy exists in that system to cause a fatality. If you would step in front of a train and that train goes by. Uh, apparently, four or five times a day. So, that train, the energy in that train certainly contains a potential fatality hazard. Yeah, it's a hazard, right? Um, there are no controls there, just a sign. And I think they are counting on the fact that you're going to look up, look both ways, uh, make sure the train isn't coming and cross. But I, I don't know anything statistically about the numbers, but every year I hear about people being hit crossing tracks in their vehicles at a train at a railroad crossing so i think sometimes these hazards exist in our work environments that we have become so accustomed to that we don't even really address them any longer and you know this is probably true in every workplace and so that's something that i've been focusing on more with my clients you know we certainly want to be compliant we certainly want to reduce injuries you know hey we're throwing salt down at the entryway during the winter to try to prevent slips and falls, all those kind of things. We talk incessantly about safe lifting, how to lift with your legs and how to not jeopardize your back. We, we talk about all those things, trying to reduce those types of recordable injuries, but I don't think we spend enough time trying to identify hazards in our work environment that can be significantly consequential. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So Uh, Pete was talking about something that I thought was very interesting. And the same with Conklin and Decker and those guys, they talk about this a lot. Capacity, building capacity to fail safely into our systems. And where do we need that? We need that in those areas where those serious hazards exist, where those potentially fatal hazards exist. I don't need to build a lot of capacity into stepping off my curb. I don't, you know, I don't want to slip and fall. I don't want to sprain my ankle. Certainly that I could miss work. It could impact my softball career. It could impact me getting off and on a bar stool, perhaps serious stuff. But we don't care about building capacity into those systems. The systems we care about building capacity into are things that could be catastrophic. Explosion hazards, um, fall hazards, um, machine interactions where I'm working on a piece of equipment That could kill me. Right. And so we want those systems when we make a mistake, when we make an error and we know we're going to make errors because errors are occurring every day. We can't stop employees from making errors. That's just not within our control. So we want to build capacity into those systems. We want controls on those systems so that when we have a failure, we fail safely or we fall softly or the machine stops before we are injured, whatever that might be. So when we talk about capacities, I'm not sure we're really talking about capacities with respect to the majority of compliance issues. And again, likely we're not talking about capacities with respect to most of these injury issues. We're talking about capacity with respect to those hazards that can result in fatalities or serious injuries. And so Pete mentioned something that I thought was really clever he talked about good day controls and bad day controls okay he gave the example of your car in your car you have seat belts and you have airbags okay seat belts are a good day control on a good day i get in my car and i put on my seat belt right on a good day if i have an accident i have put on my seat belt Hopefully my airbags are working. My car is in good condition. I've had my car inspected on at least a regular basis, whatever. And those controls deploy and I have a minor injury, if anything, from a car, from a car accident. Bad day controls. Bad day controls are those controls that work despite my activity or intention. So again, if I'm having a bad day, I get into my car, I don't put on my seatbelt. The airbag should still deploy. That's a bad day control because I neglected my seatbelt. You could say the same thing about most of what we do in the safety world. You could say that about confined space entry. You know, I have clients whose employees get into confined spaces, it requires them to put on a body harness, connect to a retrieval device, use an air monitor that's hopefully been calibrated recently. Make a determination about the entry conditions and then proceed. There is a lot of impetus put on that employee to have a good day and get those controls in place. If they don't and they have an incident, the likelihood of a bad outcome is really high, right? So those are good day controls. I'm having a good day. I think about it. You could say the same thing for lockout tagout, you know, our energy control policies, I have to go over to that disconnect, de-energize that equipment, apply my lock, verify that the equipment is de-energized, and then proceed with my work. Those are good day controls. That requires me to do something to ensure my safety. Other controls, you know, those bad day controls would be things like machine guards, you know, fixed guards, presence sensing devices, uh, guarding by distance, those kind of things. So. I'm having a, you know, it's a bad day, I forget and I reach for something in the machine, maybe the blank falls over in my press or something, and I reach for it just out of reaction. And those controls are in place, they did not require me to do anything, and they function, and they protect me. Bad day controls. So, again, we rely on a lot of good day controls. We rely on our employees deploying these controls. and. You know, again, on good days, that's great. On bad days, not so great. So when you're building capacity, think about that. If your control is, you know, don't have an accident, you know, don't stick your head in there. You know, if your controls are signs, like don't get hit by the train on bad days, those aren't going to do us any good. Right. So just keep that in mind. So you know, this is a really interesting subject to me, and it's something that I have begun focusing on more and more over the last few years, primarily because of the introduction of these topics by these authors that I've been reading of late, and by guys like Pete that I speak with that seem to see things on a larger scale than I do. I'm kind of uh in-the-moment, small-scale, you know, forest-for-the-trees guy, you know. I'm just looking at those things, and that's probably from my compliance background. I have to say that While I am a, a, you know, I believe in OSHA, there's a lot of really talented people in OSHA, you know, this compulsion with compliance sometimes can be detrimental to the point where we are missing some of those high hazard energies that exist in our workplaces. We are just, we've just accepted those. We we take those for granted and we just work around them. You know, like the last one I'm going to mention, forklifts. It is real, you know. You go into facilities all the time where they have painted a line on the floor. This is where employees walk. And then right over here on the other side of the line, this is where the forklifts go. And these forklifts are running back and forth carrying materials. And these employees are supposed to obediently walk up and down this pathway. And invariably, you can look in that painted pathway where the employees walk and see tracks of the forklifts that have gone back and forth through this area. There is no control of that system other than hoping that the pedestrian is walking in the designated pathway and hoping that the operator of the forklift is paying attention. But other than that, unless there are physical barriers or, you know, unless we can rig up, you know, that like hot dog saw blade sensor to forklifts or whatever. uh, So they don't hit meat, you know, hours Um, those aren't really capacities, you know, again, that's just wishful thinking oftentimes. And so what I want you to do, the take home message is go to your facilities and look around with a slightly different intent. You know, we have to be compliant. We don't want to have injuries, but I want you to look for those potential hazards, those energies in your plant where something bad can happen. go ask your employees, you know, ask your employees, where is the next fatality going to occur here? You know, what should I be worried about? They probably know, you know, they work around it every day. So ask them, you know, Hey, we're doing this stuff, but what should I be looking at? What are you afraid of? You know, where is the next serious injury going to take place and find those and focus your time and attention on building capacities into those systems, those energies, those hazards, all right? So, you know, that's really all I wanted to communicate today. Um, It is Worker Memorial Day. Hopefully, you don't know anybody that's been killed at work. I hope that's the case for you. Um, Like anything else, when I would go to these Worker Memorial Day services and they would read these names, I might hear a few names of people who maybe we investigated those fatalities uh, as OSHA. Maybe we were somewhat familiar with them. Most of the names I didn't know, you know, they were military folks. They were uh, law enforcement. They were emergency responders in addition to construction workers, manufacturing workers, transportation folks. I didn't know many of them. And they just kind of become numbers. They kind of become a blur as they're reading them off. You know, I mean for all intents and purposes, unconsequential to me in my life. I will tell you, one of the worst things I had to do as an OSHA person, and it was toward the end of my career when I was the compliance assistant specialist and then an assistant area director, we were expected to call the surviving family members of our fatality investigations and communicate with them how our investigation was going. So I was expected once a month to call you know the mothers and fathers, sisters, brothers, husbands, whomever, you know that uh, that person from that em- that em- that killed employees' life and communicate with them, and I dreaded that day. I usually waited till the last Friday of the month because I just hated it, which was probably the worst thing I could have done because it just built up and built up all month long, and then call them and communicate with them how our investigation was. Was going And as you know, I mean, OSHA investigations, they're very slow, methodical. Uh, they are not, um, you know, sequential. I mean, the guys that are doing and gals that are doing those investigations are doing other work. So they don't have just time dedicated to that. So it doesn't go quite as quickly as those family members would probably like. And so oftentimes, you'd have to call and speak with those people three, four times over the course of that investigation. And sometimes they would say thank you. They'd be very stoic and they'd say thank you and they would just hang up. And sometimes they would just want to share something about their loved one. They would start talking about them. um, Totally unrelated to the investigation. And I'd just sit there and listen because it was, you know, not my place to cut them off. It was just an opportunity for them to think about their loved one and to share some information about them. And I you know, as important as that was, man, I just hated that day, and so I hope that, you know, most of you never have that day, um, but I do know friends of mine that are safety people whose facilities have had serious injuries or fatalities carry a heavy burden that, that is really hard on them. I can hear it in their voices. I can see it in their faces. Um, it, it is a, it's a bad deal, so Anyway, I didn't mean to start your weekend off on a bad note. Actually, the good news is you can get in there and you can find these hazards and we can start building capacity today. So um, keep that in mind. Check out these books if you're looking for information, uh, if you're looking for ways to be more predictive in those hazards, what those hazards might be or what they might look like or how to address them. There are a lot of resources available focusing on this stuff. Sidney Decker, Todd Conklin, holnagel Nagel, that whole crew of folks. So go to Amazon, order one. I don't get any kickback from it, unfortunately, although I might call Todd and see about it. But um, there's something that we can do about it actively. So I hope you have a good weekend. Um, keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you again soon. Later.